Hey everybody and thanks for coming back to Serial Zombie Mom. Uh, today's episode is going to be a little bit shorter. Um, not really a shit ton of information. I know I could probably get it, but I was running a little behind on working on one of the other cases um, that I was trying to get done in time and I was like, I need a break. So I took a minute and was like, you know what, there's this other case that's really kind of been, been nagging at me and I want to get it out there. So, I just went ahead and did some, like, pretty quick um, research for that, that smaller case to kind of get, to get it done. That's what I'm going to do today. The next episode is going to be a big one, probably a long one, possibly a, a two-parter, just kind of depending on um, how quickly I can get the information out of my mouth. So, uh, the, today's case is the Lululemon murder. Um this was in Bethesda, Maryland, uh, a few years back, I believe, 2011. Uh, it's in my notes here. So, it's it's an interesting one, uh, needless to say. So, now, 30-year-old Jana Murray uh, had been working at the Lululemon store in Bethesda. Um, she had been working towards her two master's degrees from John Hopkins University. And she was very athletic. Tall, beautiful, gorgeous blonde. Uh, very, very athletic, um, had done, you know, all sorts of different, um, like, physical activities constantly. Uh, was kind of the volleyball player, you know, stance, um, gymnast type, type, body types. I mean, just beautiful girl. Now, she was really tall, she was really beautiful, loved to do exciting things. Um, however... Yoga brought balance to her life when she needed the reboot. Now, she was working at this Lululemon store and was able to get into tons of different gyms, athletic facilities, uh, all types of different places for working at Lululemon. So when you when you work at one of these places, you know you pretty much show that you live that lifestyle. You're always in their gear. You're always wearing their stuff. Um, they give you the opportunity to go to all of these different locations pretty much free of charge because it's free advertising. You know, you get all these moms that are going to turn around and be like, Ooh, I love those yoga pants. Where'd you get them? Oh, well, they're Lululemon. Come see me. I work over there. Come see me. So it was great publicity for the store. Uh, Great place, a great place for them to work, um, you know, going towards their degrees and everything and ways for them to rub elbows and kind of get in with other places as far as, um, you know, trying to become physical trainers and things like that, nutritionists and, and whatever in the gyms themselves once they, you know, marketed themselves and, and the, and the brand there. Now, it's pretty interesting. Now, on March 11th of 2011, Jaina had to switch a shift with another coworker. This other girl had something come up, and she was like, look, I can't work that night. Can you take my shift? So she's like, yeah, absolutely. I got a, I got a friend I got to meet after, after work, but, you know, I'll, I'll come work. So she works to, and her with, and another coworker. Um, there were supposed to be three people, so it was supposed to be her and two, two other associates. Something happened and one other associate called out. So it was just her and one other person. Um, now, this just happened to be, you know, okay for them. Because what would have normally been kind of a busy night, 
um, turned out not to be because the Apple store next door was packed. They were waiting on the, I believe it was the iPad 2 was about to, um, was about to release the next morning or something like that. So there were people all worried about that, that they didn't want to be in the yoga store. They wanted to be at the Apple store. So with all that going on, they knew, huh, well, we're going to have a pretty easy night. It, it, it's fine. We've only got the two of us, but we'll be okay. Um, the co-worker who showed up was 27-year-old Brittany Norwood. Now, Brittany was a student as well. She had, she had been um, t told that she was a really, you know, sweet girl. Um, I don't know. There's, there's more to come up about her. So, they finished up about 9.45, um, and Jaina was locking everything up. She told Brittany, you know, I'm gonna go and meet a friend, you know, whatever, have a good night. The next morning, Rachel Ortley, the manager of the store, who happened to just live, like, pretty much across the street. She was, she was not far. I think it was an apartment, apartment building or something across the street. And she shows up at the store just before, four, uh, excuse me, 8 a.m., and realizes, well, the lights are still on, and the door was unlocked. So she's originally like, you know, well, that's really strange. It's not like, you know, Jaina to do this, um, but maybe she was running late and just forgot to lock the door, or maybe just, sh just kind of forgot, you know, going out the door. So she goes in, she takes a few steps in, and realizes there's a bit of a mess in there. So initially she's like, holy crap, you know, the lights are still on and everything. Maybe somebody's in here. So she runs outside and she um, runs into this guy that I believe he, I don't know if he was waiting on the Apple store or what, but his name was Ryan Ha. And so he goes in and says, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll check it out for you. I'll make sure, you know, make sure everything's okay, but you need to call the police and let them know that there's been a break-in or something's happened in here that's not normal. So he goes in and he walks around and goes to open a door and realizes he can't really budge the door. There's a body behind the door, but he can't really see exactly what's going on. And then he hears a moan. So he goes out, he tells Rachel, Rachel apparently says, yes, I heard a little something too. I know somebody's in there. And he says, so there's a body in here. Um, so you need to go ahead and make sure that the police know. And there's somebody else here that's alive, but tied up. Okay. So when the police arrive, they find Jaina's body. She's face down in a pool of blood. And in the bathroom, they find Brittany. Now, she's alive, but she's covered in cuts. Um, the crotch of her pants and her panties were ripped. She had cuts in her clothes. Uh, her hands were tied, uh, zip-tied. And her arms were up kind of over her head and her feet outstretched out from her. And she's taken to the hospital while Jaina's body is left in the store and being processed. Now, there are cuts to Brittany's chest, legs, arms, and a big gash on her forehead, one of which was a two-inch laceration 
on her right hand that ran parallel to her thumb um, and her wrists well, I already mentioned that her wrists and feet were zip tied together as they look around the store they start realizing you know some kind of big struggle happened here something's crazy like something doesn't seem right and they see bloody footprints belonging to a man and then they see bloody footprints that are smaller that belo- seem to belong to a woman so they go into the hospital. They realize, okay, Brittany's pretty much okay. Um, you know, but something really, really bad happened. Why is she, you know, only got superficial wounds and the other one's murdered? Like, what happened? Were they after the one girl? Like, were they just, was she in the way? Like, what was the deal? So they're making a lot of questions um, at this point. So Brittany tells them, you know, two men dressed in black... Black clothes, black ski masks come in and try to rob them. And they proceed to attack the women. They assault them. Uh, She said that one of the guys took Jaina and the other guy took her. And, you know, she could hear the screaming and she knew that that Jaina was really hurt. uh, But she didn't know exactly what was going on with her. Just that the other guy was assaulting her. Um, she also mentions that the men were continuously saying really awful things, okay? Um, Brittany was a a young African-American girl, and the guy was using racial slurs, um, and saying, you know, I'd never had, you know, an end before, and, you know, I've never, um, she looks like she'll be fun, and... Uh, you know, calling them fucking bitches, you know, the the whole time. And this is what, this is her account that she's saying all this is happening. Now, with the money from the safe being gone, it was apparent that it must have been a robbery gone wrong. But the amount of trauma from Jaina versus Brittany was, as I said, drastically different. Something was not right. And investigators started to see this pretty quickly. They processed everything. They believed her. The first couple of days, they believed everything. And then they started realizing something wasn't, something's not right. Now, as they interview Brittany and, and they, they are talking to her, Brittany says, Well, I called Jaina about 10 minutes after we left. I realized I didn't have my wallet. I left my wallet in the store. So I called her to come let me back in just long enough for me to get my wallet. So she came back. And we went in, and as we started walking in, these guys came in. Okay? So, she actually is telling all this story and telling about how horrible these men were. And that they came in and did all this stuff, and that they didn't bring anything with them. All the weapons happened to be from the actual store. Okay? Um, she mentions that with all the accusations, the things that, that the men kept saying, that she believed the two men were white. But as I said, and as the, the investigators started to look, things did not seem to add up. She also said that she was sexually assaulted with a clothes hanger and that he didn't rape her, but he assaulted her with a clothes hanger. Okay. Now, it was like these men were 
absolute and pure evil. Evil, horrible monsters. The worst humans you could think of ever. I mean, when you add it all up, you know, a, a racist, rapist, robbing, murderer. That's a lot. That's a lot of things to say about one, let alone two individuals. The fact that her injuries also were nothing compared to the injuries on Jaina really just kind of had them scratching their heads. You know, how come this girl had all these, like, just little, little bitty wounds, might have needed a couple stitches here and there, but no stab marks. And Jaina had to endure 331 beating, cutting, stabbing, and choking wounds. None of that made any sense. How can one person endure 331 wounds? So they start looking at things a little bit more closely. Everything that was used, all of the weapons, the murder weapons, everything came from in that store. The zip ties that were on Brittany came from that store. Things just didn't seem to make any sense. So they kept talking. They kept talking to Brittany. They kept talking to her family. Now, after seven days, the officers finally brought in Brittany and said, you know, you, you got to come in. We just got a couple other questions to ask, ask you just to clarify some stuff. I need you to come in and do this, whatever. And then they tell her, look, we know that something's not right. They find out through old friends and teammates and whatever that Brittany had had that she had had a problem with stealing. Whether it was a couple of dollars, whether it was a bottle of perfume, whether it was something. I mean, she was always stealing stuff. <clears throat> so they're in there questioning her. Were you stealing from the store? No, I just forgot my wallet. And she sticks to this. She sticks to the same story, word for word, the entire way through. Now, it could be that... That's the story. But a lot of times when the, the story is perfect every single time and not one little detail changes or gets clarified or anything, it gets a little suspicious. So they finally bring in her brother. And her brother Chris comes in and sits and talks to her. And he's like, you know, can I... Um, you know, they present the evidence to him. And they're like, you know, look, we know she did this. We don't know why. We're trying to figure it all out. So he's like, well, can I have a few minutes alone with her? So they sit down, they talk, um, and he starts asking her questions as far as, you know, were you stealing from the store again? She's like, no, no, no. She keeps, keeps saying, no, I just really forgot my wallet. As he's asking all these things, all of a sudden, she's like, can they hear this? Can they hear this? And he's like, I don't see any recording devices. I've looked all over the room. I don't see any recording devices. So they know that the, the police could possibly be li listening in. But they are naive enough to believe that they would have a camera or microphone in plain sight and not, not be disguised. Okay. Um, 
so through this, she finally, you know, mentions somehow, like, she gives up the fact that she had done it. Um, and it later comes out that she was trying to steal from the store. It was her last chance. She had been hired at another Lululemon store, um, and actually had stolen from that store. They had let her go only to hire her back later and then transfer her to the Bethesda store. Why in the hell would they do this? You know, it doesn't, it doesn't really make any sense why someone would rehire after someone stole from the store. It does not make any sense. So, it turned out later, um, as well, and, and in the investigation, you know, she said that she was sexually assaulted. They go in, they do a rape kit, and she's like, yeah, well, they weren't going to find any sperm because he, he, he did it with a clothes hanger. He got me with a clothes hanger. Well, I'm sorry. Those clothes hangers in those stores have a serrated, like, edge that is kind of, like, so that stuff won't fall off of them. And if she was sexually assaulted with that, there would be a lot of trauma done to her vaginal canal and her vaginal os. Like, they didn't find shit. Even to the point where they were like, you know, when was the last time you even had sex? And she was like, I haven't even had sex in over a week. Which they also found out was not true because they did find some evidence of uh, semen and stuff from about a day or so ahead. Um... But they were like, it just doesn't match up. She doesn't have any obvious trauma. You know, if, and if it was a, a clothes hanger, she would have some obvious trauma. Bruising, cuts, all sorts of things. So they match up and they look at her clothes and they look at the cuts on her. And these are very, very clean cuts. However, when they look at the cuts on her legs, as opposed to the cuts in her clothing, they're off a little bit. Kind of like, kind of like they were done at different times. So that's how they're like, okay, well, this doesn't really make a lot of sense either. It looks like she cut herself and then tried to make the same cuts in the clothing. Or tried to cut the clothing and then tried to make the same cuts on herself. So she tried somehow to make it look like the, a robbery gone wrong. All right. She also went and grabbed a pair of size 14 men's shoes off the fucking rack, dipped them through Jaina's blood, and tracked them around the floor. Only to rinse them back off and put them back on the shelf. Tracked her own shoes at around and then rinsed them off. Only to continually leave marks from her laces that were already soaked in blood. This is a really, really interesting case. And if you haven't heard about this, you really should go look it up. You'll get a lot more information. Again, I said this one was going to be kind of short. Um, you know, even when they, they questioned the Apple Store employees... There were a couple employees that had been there the night before, and they were trying to get everything ready, and they heard the commotion, and they were like, you know, something was going on over there. It was, sounded like, you know, someone was having a fight, you know, and we heard, we heard some voices, but it was only women's voices. We didn't hear any men's voices at all. And, and what they heard was, and I quote, 
talk to me, don't do this, just talk to me, what's going on? That was followed by screaming and yelling for about 20 minutes. And then they heard, God help me, please help me. They somehow didn't think to check any further or call the police. You know, this goes back to the start of 911 and like there's a whole story in that um the Kitty Genovese story and I'll get to that one day as well really interesting story and and the fact that you know sometimes people hear things or see things and they don't do anything about it cuz they expect somebody else to do to do something so it's like well I heard that but it stopped so everything must be okay So, as far as the thefts and the things going on there at the store, like, Brittany really took advantage. If, if you know anything about the Lululemon stores, these yoga pants retail for like $108, okay? The t-shirts are like 60 some odd dollars. The sports bras are like 60 some odd dollars. It's ridiculous how expensive these things are, okay? And... So when Jaina found these in her bag, in Brittany's bag, she's like, you know, did you pay for these? Oh, yeah, well, so-and-so rang me out earlier. I don't know what I did with my receipt. And she's like, you know what? We got her. Because they were already wondering. There was kind of a talk that they had had between the managers there at the store that they knew someone was stealing. They kind of figured it was Brittany. They all kind of figured. So they were like, you know what? Let's set this up. The next time that she works, we're going to just keep an eye out. And if she steals something else, she's gone. So somehow I'm guessing that Brittany kind of got wind of this and figured out that that's what was going to happen. Either Jaina told her, all right, I've got to tell, I've got to tell Rachel about this. Um, you know, so, you know, whatever happens is what's going to happen. And that's all there is to it. Well, the thing is, is that Brittany had a job lined up as a trainer, I believe it was, at one of the gyms that they frequented, you know, through um, the Lululemon, you know, crossovers. And this was going to jeopardize that. If she got fired there for stealing, you know, she obviously wasn't going to get hired over at the gym that she wanted to go to. So... She knew she had to do something. Like, she she thought, well, I've got to do something to to keep me from either losing my job here or, you know, keep me from, you know, not getting the job over there. So she, she had to come up with something and come up with it quickly. Also, after the attack, after she staged this scene, she... Goes as far as to move Jaina's car. She drives the car three blocks over. And then tells the investigators that she had uh, been forced to. That they were like, no, you need to move her car. You need to move... Why the hell would they want to move her car? If this really happened and if two men did this, why would they be like, oh, you got to move her car? And it makes no sense. It made no sense at all why the car needed to be moved. But, again, the officer started to run out of answers and went back to Brittany for all these answers. Now, after a six-day trial, when they finally went to, um, to trial for this and, and um, you know, arrested Brittany and everything, 
Brittany was found guilty of first-degree murder and sentenced to life without parole. Now, despite the evidence of the stolen yoga pants as cause for motive, the jury was unanimous. Now, Murray's family was absolutely relieved, but still in an incredible amount of pain. Her mother, Phyllis, stated, I want no other family to go through this. The brutality was indescribable. Journalist Peter Ross Range later actually wrote a book about the incident, including details not used in court. If you haven't read, like, this is a great, great one that you can do. It's free on Audible if you have an Audible account. It's called Murder in the Yoga Store. It goes through the exact details, exact how everything went. Um, I went as far as, you know, listening to it, um, reading some of it firsthand, just to, just to have the information. And this is all, like, this episode is just kind of skimming the whole thing and giving you kind of an, uh, you know quick play-by-play of it. So it's definitely worth the read. And there's a few documentaries. There's a Snapped. There's, um, you know, a couple of, a couple of other like killer women or some stupid shit. So there's some stuff there to listen to. Okay. Um, now he also said that police and prosecutors believe that Norwood was also working as a call girl, um, but chose not to disclose the fact in open court. Now, she was doing some things that were quite questionable. Um, this also was another reason why they couldn't use the sexual, sexual assault or why, you know, when the last time she had sex and things like that in court was because there were these things and these questions going around as well. Now, after her trial and conviction, she and her attorney actually asked for a new trial, filing an appeal in 2014. Her argument stated that she wasn't properly Mirandized during her initial police interview and that she thought she had already been under arrest. Now, in 2015, a Maryland appeals court actually denies her request affirming her first-degree murder conviction, citing that overwhelming guilt on the part of Norwood. Now, she was uh, she is to remain in prison without the possibility of parole for the rest of her life. Now, as far as everything else with the case, you know, I hate to use the term overkill, but, you know, when you think of everything that happened and her being, and Jaina being attacked in the way she was. 331 wounds are overkill. Um, I can't see at all whatsoever how someone can, just because they were thinking they were going to lose their job, would kill someone with 331 wounds. 300 and 31. That's the kind of thing that makes you think it's a crime of passion. And then just to go the routes that she did was just absolutely appalling. So I'm going to make this really short and sweet. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed hearing about the case. But do some more research on this. I'm, I'm, I'm toying with the idea of kind of redoing this one later um, when I can really put it down a little bit better. I've got a big, big case coming for you. So be prepared. That one's a really um, interesting one um, with a lot of information. I've just been trying to get that one nailed down and it's been taking me a little bit. So I had to tear away from it a little bit to gain a little more sanity. Um 
So I hope you enjoyed hearing about this one. Go do some research on it. Go check out some pictures. The Bethesda store actually has a memorial stained glass window um, and beautiful, beautiful portrait of Jaina in their window that will stay there. Um, it also has a quote above the door. Um, I can't remember what exactly what the quote was uh, off the top of my head right now, but it's it's beautiful. Um, and that will stay there forever as a as a memorial for her um, because you know she was that was her life there. She she was going to become something really amazing and was taken out too soon by just somebody who didn't understand how to be a decent human being. <laughs> so Hope you guys enjoyed that inform information. I'm going to share a couple of pictures. Um, uh, one of Jaina, one of Brittany Norwood, um, so you can see her crazy little ass. And then I will also probably post a picture or two from the crime scene, um, as well as a picture of the um, uh, window there at that store. So, again, I hope you guys like, liked the story. And if you need anything or, or have any comments, please email me at serialzombiemoms at gmail.com. Check out the Facebook page or the Instagram. Um, and I will get back to you guys as quickly as I can. We'll see you on the next one.